0: Hey everyone, my name is Al Gugliata and I want to welcome you to the Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is Is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. My name's Al Gugliata. I'm here with Virginia Elder, my co-host.
1: Yeah, hey Al.
0: And welcome to the Unlearning Project. Hey. (laughs) All right. Our next topic is something called psychological flexibility, Mm -hmm. which I don't think too many people have heard of.
1: I don't think so either. I think if you're into psychology, I think you're familiar with it, but I don't think just the average person. I think it's important to maybe define this and kind of help the audience out a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. So again, I like keeping things very simple and relating it to physical fitness. Mm
2: -hmm. Just
0: think of a yoga instructor, like a very flexible yogi, right? They can bend, they can twist, they can do things that the average person can't do. Yeah. The idea behind is that you can put these people in any position. You're not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Then think of somebody that's sedentary, that can't even bend and is stiff. The chance of injury is probably a lot greater for somebody that's super tight. Right. Out of shape, not flexible. Right. Put them in a different position. You're going to wind up like ripping a muscle or a tendon or they're just locked up. Right. So I think of the same thing with psychological flexibility. It is the same thing. Now it's just psychologically. So Mm. somebody that's not psychologically flexible is very rigid in their thinking. Mm. So for instance, whether it's an angry person or somebody that has anxiety or somebody that the mental processes that are going on in their brain, if they're categorizing themselves as lazy or I'm this or I'm that, that would be considered inflexible. Right. You're just basically now rigid in your thinking of yourself. Right.
1: They kind of have that pigeonhole kind of thinking like, I am this, this is the way I am. This is what I believe. Yes. I'm not questioning it or trying to think outside the box at all. This is just me.
0: Yeah. And this, that goes for themselves, their subjective experience. It goes for, they have certain things on money that This is the way money is. Right. And they're not flexible in the idea of thinking that it could be something else. Right. So it really kind of translates into pretty much everything, the whole mental process of, and they call it within psychological flexibility, fusion. So when you fuse with an idea or you fuse with something, I'm a lazy person. Mm. Well, can you just be lazy in this moment or just having the feeling of being lazy? You just don't feel like doing anything right now.
1: Right. And accepting that and being okay with it versus identifying as that type of person.
0: Right. Psychologically flexible person will take that feeling, whether it's feeling of laziness, Mm -hmm. and say, all right, well, maybe I should just rest for a couple of hours because I'll get some energy back after I rest a little bit. Or maybe I should eat something. Or they're not fusing with the idea that I'm a lazy person. Right. They're just having fleeting feelings that come and go, that everybody has. Right. When you think you have to be so motivated, we were just kind of talking about before the podcast, that when you have these personal planners and you have these kinds of checklists of (laughs) all these different things, a lot of them just focus on money and efficiency and time management and trying to check off these boxes and getting more and more and more done... Right. But a lot of them don't focus on the spiritual and family and health and the things that I think are maybe even more important.
1: Right, right. A morning routine and making sure that that's like a part of every day for you. Yep. That's what I've struggled with with planners was either they're super unstructured, so you just have like a blank space for like each day. Yeah. Or they're super (laughs) structured and it's just like a time-blocked list. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, I think it's interesting you brought up the yogi. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, that person has trained. They didn't just become that way. They have trained and practiced and been to classes and got certified and
2: mm-hmm. probably
1: been to all these yoga retreats. And they have trained to become flexible. Yeah. The same thing with the psychological piece. I feel like this is a practice that you attempt for a long period of time in maybe a certain area before you get better at it?
0: Yeah. No, that's a good parallel because like physical training and mental training, right? Both of them require time, effort. It requires consistent effort. They're almost identical. I mean, think about any form of working out, whether it be yoga. Mm -hmm. They're not just flexible. They're strong. They're learning different poses. It takes many years to do a lot of the advanced poses and yoga, consistent practice. Right. So same idea with mental training. You're not, our default is to fuse with our emotions, fuse with our thoughts, be judgmental. So we're we're retraining that.
1: Well, in a lot of the premise of the podcast is that those emotions and thoughts that we have, they're influenced by somebody else. They're influenced by our upbringing. Yeah, You might be carrying forward like, oh, well, my dad used to say this all the time. And so I believe that. And you may not connect that, Mm. but if you dig into it, that's where you got it from. And for you to be even slightly flexible enough to start to evaluate that thought. I mean, I think that's a big step.
0: Yeah. You're not conscious of this programming, your upbringing. Mm -mm. Things have just happened. You have a whole story that you tell yourself about. Your upbringing. Right. It's the same idea as the twins that grew up in the alcoholic households. Right. One becomes a famous writer. The other one becomes an alcoholic. Objectively, from the outside, they had the same experience, but right. two different subjective experiences they both had. Right. But they're both storylines that they told themselves.
1: Well, and I think that's interesting, too. I don't have twins, but I do have two kids. They're very close. Mm-hmm. They're boy and a girl, different ages, stuff like that but we are already seeing how different they Mm -hmm. are and we're like, why? Like we don't feel like we've changed that much yet. They're totally different. And so it's so interesting that like with the same, we think the same experience growing up in a household, these two people are very different people. So I think that's just so interesting. And I, I am so curious what makes that human turn out so differently. Yeah, naturally. Mm. Even though you believe that they've had the same experience, I, that just has always interested. Like me.
0: you said, there's two different people, two different personality traits, two different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have just different energy levels. They have different tolerance levels for stress, right? So everybody has different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was kids that really thrived in athletics with coaches that yelled at them. Yes. They're like, go, come on, move it. Some kids would be really motivated by that. Right. And some kids, it's the worst thing. It crushes them. Yes. They need encouragement. That's
1: more. hilarious that you said that because we're literally <laughs> like looking for that right now. We're dealing with that right now. It's so because-
0: difficult. It's It really is. <laughs> but I think the, the, yeah. those. that's why some of the best coaches in the world are very sensitive to that. They know uh-huh. what a person needs. Yeah. If they're really in tune with what each athlete needs, right? And what motivates that athlete and what helps them get better. Those are the best coaches that they have the best teams and there's the flexibility, right? The coach has the flexibility, the psychological flexibility to recognize that there's different people, there's a spectrum of people here. Mm-hmm. They all have different needs. They're not the same person. Yeah. One style of coaching or one style of encouragement is not going to work across the board for everyone.
1: Right. With this kid, I can be on their butt telling them, go, 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 go. But with this other kid, if I yell at them, they're going to crumble.
0: Exactly. Now I got to just kind of nurture them a little bit more. Yeah.
1: I need to find a coach that knows that.
0: (laughs) Oh, so are you dealing with a hardcore coach? We're
1: dealing with... No, it's more of... My son, I know what he needs and he is the kid who will be crushed. Yeah. And so in searching for a new team, that's specifically what we're looking for. Like I need to be able to take him to visit practices to just like pop in for free and check out the team.
2: Yeah.
1: And I will specifically be looking at how this coach works with his kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's very sensitive. So yes, I think he has a lot of talent and he can
0: yeah
1: really be something if he puts his mind to it but specifically the psychological flexibility is something that I'm gonna have to teach him
0: yeah
2: because
1: like he's that kid that will be like oh no I'm wrong instead of I made a mistake yeah it's it's that embodiment of
0: fusion like he fuses with whatever happened to him is him kind of yes yeah
1: That's just, you're bringing up like the most aligned topics. It's
0: hilarious to me. (laughs) Well, remember that section in Glennon Doyle's Untamed where they talk about Mm -hmm. the daughter and Abby is basically pushing her to do the soccer or whatever.
2: Yes. And
0: Glennon Doyle's like, no way, she'll be crushed. (laughs) So, I mean, I think you're definitely going to lean, especially when it's your kid. Right. You want them more nurtured. Right. I'm sure there's a happy balance, right? You don't want, you want a little, you want... Not rough him up.
1: Yeah, I need a coach that will push him, but not a coach that will just like lay into him. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, you don't want to embarrass anybody and you don't want to really come down hard. Yeah, you have to know.
1: Right. Well, and then it's so hilarious because my daughter's the opposite. Like, if you're not on the sidelines, like yelling at her to run, she's like picking flowers.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right. It doesn't affect her. Like, she doesn't start crying or, yeah.
1: Oh, no, she's, she's tough. Like, you can just scream at her and she's like, What, are you talking to me? Like, uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that weird how people are resilient to that? Yeah. I always envied that because I was the kid that crumbled. Right. Well, I lean more toward that. Right. I never crumbled on the outside, but I always just felt like if somebody was yelling at me, I was like, oh, God.
1: Stop yelling at me. That's my son. And my daughter, Mm -hmm. you yell at her to run and do whatever. And she's a rock star. But like the second you quit yelling, she's like not paying attention to the game.
0: (laughs) Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, (laughs) What's going on Such different personalities. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So we talked about you fuse with the sensation, you know, if you have anxiety. Okay. Well, I'm an anxious person versus Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing anxious thoughts and feelings right now.
0: Right. And it sounds semantic, but it's not. It's a completely polar opposite way of looking at things.
1: Right. So
0: when you fuse with it, you are that. When you just say, I'm having the feeling of anxiety, Mm -hmm. of whatever anger, you're not an angry person. There's two different things. You're just having a fleeting, you know, emotional state or a fleeting thought pattern. Right. If you consider yourself that person, you're going to be an angry person. You're going to act angry a lot.
1: Right. Maybe you'll allow that anger to come out more often because you're like, well, I'm an angry person. Like, this is just who I am.
0: Yes. I wanted to actually just put out a definition of psychological flexibility that's probably better than what I've said to this point because I think it kind of encompasses the whole thing. Okay. It says psychological flexibility is the ability to stay in contact with the present moment, regardless of unpleasant thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, but all at the same time while choosing one's behavior based on your values.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. So that's a lot said there, right? So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah, unpleasant thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, when all of that stuff's happening to us, you can still choose behaviors that follow your values. Mm -hmm. That's the context of what psychological flexibility is. So I really kind of morphed with that idea because I always thought that whatever emotions, whatever thoughts, like that was you, like that's, you're going to behave based on those emotions.
1: Right. Or like, I am an emotional person. Like I get emotional often, like just identifying as an emotional human instead of, I have a lot of emotions. (laughs) I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, like for instance, I always think of situational things. Like if you're not in a good mood one day, Mm. like I'm not in a good mood, so I'm going to cancel my plans Mm. to go out with my friends. Mm -hmm. You could still be in that bad mood and go out with your friends. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: if your value is that I want social connection with my friends Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: you start making behavioral decisions based on your values, not on your emotional state at any point. Mm -hmm. It's just a better way of life. Think about having a life of anytime you're just going by whatever you're feeling or thinking. Right. Are you going to do all the things to be healthy? Say you're somebody that wants to be, you know, in shape. Right. And you wake up one day and you're feeling, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. It's cold out. And as soon as you feel like it's cold out, like, no, I'm just going to sit in bed. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So I'm going to stay in bed. But you you could also have the, the polar opposite thought of, yeah, I feel these things which are fleeting, but my value is to be someone that's in shape. Right. Then it's a different context of how to think about it.
1: Yeah. So you're going to put on like extra warm leggings or something and you're going to go run. Yeah. You're still going to do your thing because you are in the belief that you are a healthy person and healthy people work out, right? That's so right. So you're still going to yeah. go. Whereas if you don't believe you're a healthy person, but you were just attempting like some program. So there's like a level of commitment there too, to believing what you want to be. Mm -hmm. Like I, maybe I'm not the healthiest, but I believe that I am in general a healthy person. So I'm probably a lot more likely to commit and follow through with different programs, just based on the mindset of believing That you're generally healthy.
0: Your values are health. Yeah, yeah. And it's a direction. Again, it's not like this ultimate destination. You don't eat one salad and you're healthy for the rest of your life. (laughs) So you have a direction. Right. And you can go off off the path sometimes. I mean, we were talking about having like, I'll sit down. I won't eat a half gallon of ice cream, but I'll eat a good (laughs) pint, pint and a half sometimes if I get crazy. Right. But then I won't do it for three months or six months. It's just not my thing. I don't see myself as someone that eats sweets all the time, but I'll indulge once in a while.
1: Yeah, so it's an indulgence in that moment or that day versus a practice or a habit that you do often. Like, right. I think that's that's a big difference too.
0: Yeah, so that same person who's feeling lazy in the moment, yeah, one time out of 30,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I feel real tired, my body shot. Maybe I won't get up for the workout. Maybe I'll sleep in that day. Mm -hmm. I don't wake up from that three-hour extra sleep thinking I'm just such a lazy person and I can't work out. Now I'm unhealthy and I'm just an unhealthy person. So why even bother Mm -hmm. trying? That whole storyline goes down that path. Mine is I get to do this once in a while. This is just how it works.
1: Right. I'm having an off day and I'm going to have ice cream. I'm going to stay in bed. I'm going to wear slippers.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll be fine tomorrow.
0: Yeah. That happens in so many different contexts, though.
1: I think it's really challenging, though, to, like the definition was saying, being present in that moment and accepting that kind of off behavior in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the psychological flexibility is like accepting it regardless of the unpleasant thoughts. And those unpleasant thoughts would be the crap I'm having an off day. Like, this is not me. What's wrong with me? Why am I not happy? Why do I not feel good? Why don't I have energy? Wh- whatever the thoughts are. Right. Like, no, it's okay. I'm giving myself grace today. I'm be fine tomorrow. I'm just going to allow this funk mm-hmm. and I'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Just the idea that you can do things when everything in your body is telling you you can't, or you're right. Well, in your body and your minds, yeah. If you're scared to perform for whatever type of performance, whether it's music or dance or acting, you can be fearful and still act. Right. And that's actually normally the way people act. Mm -hmm. If they're about to get on stage, they're going to feel butterflies. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel all the sensations that's telling you not to do something and still do it. So I always thought that was interesting too, because those feelings make your thoughts spiral into an idea that you can't do these things. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm. You can still do the things, you could be uncomfortable and do do something. That was a real pivot in my mind.
1: I'm kind of stuck on the values piece. So Mm. for me, setting like personal values or business values or, family values. None of that was ever brought to my attention until, until I entered kind of the business entrepreneurship world. Then I started to be exposed to the conversation about setting values. Mm. And even my husband and I were talking about this recently. He very much so feels that he has never set up personal values for himself that he wants to live his life by. He's just Been living, just doing his thing. And he never realized that was a thing. And I was kind of Mm. agreeing and supporting that idea that, yeah, I actually didn't know any of that until the whole entrepreneurship journey anyways. And so we've started talking about setting, you know, maybe just get like a whiteboard or something and setting up family values and writing out words that we would Want to raise our children by and you know, instill these values in our family so that if there's ever an issue that comes up, or even in discipline, right? Then you can look at the board and be like, Hey, does this align with what we believe in? No, it doesn't. Okay, so we have some adjustments. Yeah, so we've started discussing that concept. And my question is, do you think the average person? is even conscious of setting values for themselves? Because my initial response is, they're probably not aware that that should be a thing that you should live by.
0: Well, I think people get it from religion. So religion Mm. is the structure that gives them direction and values. Mm. Uh, Well, at least they think it does. I mean, it gives them some sort of context. Yeah. But you can do it on your own, I guess. But I think you're correct. Most people don't think about values they're definitely not at the forefront of their mind while they're living their life they're more reactive
1: right or like acting within a set of values or even having just any level of consciousness of how you think you should live your life which yeah. Yeah, according to this it's ends up with a lack of direction if you don't have values
0: lack of direction I think of the dad sitting on the couch watching the football game while the kids are doing nothing. And if that guy thought like my value was my kids come first or I'm going to spend the weekend with my kids. Right. Then maybe he wouldn't be watching the game. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm not
0: saying watch the game is bad, but I'm guessing the Mm -hmm. people that don't set certain values obviously are not following through with things that they value in life.
1: It's more aimless. It's more like you said, just stay on that example. Okay. If your values are that your kids come first and family time is really important to you, then either you have already spent family time or you, you have plans to like Mm -hmm. maybe you guys rode bikes this morning and had a picnic in the park for lunch. And then the game comes on at two and okay. Dad's watching TV. Right. Very cool. I see a balance there. I see some flexibility that's going on with the schedule But if you say your family comes first, Mm -hmm. but you literally like never pay attention to them, never take the kids to the park, never watch something that they would want to watch on TV, then I'm not sure that that aligns.
0: Yeah. I think it's the more comfortable thing is to sit on the couch and watch the game and not to be proactive with your family. So it's also the motivation. Where does the motivation come from? Yeah, anybody could say anything, right? You can, obviously, we know this mm-hmm. through religion, where people tout to be holier than thou, and behind closed doors, they're miserable people that are freaking right. nasty to their kids. So you could say anything. So it's well, this is more of an internal process, not what you're projecting to the public.
1: Right, it's an internal, like even journaling or something. You know, you would focus on like, what do I stand for? What do I want to be? What do I want to live by? That would be your values.
0: Right. And I think the people that are outwardly projecting their values to everybody, to the public mm-hmm. are the ones that aren't living by them. Right. Because you, why would you need to tell everybody else about your values? Your values are your values.
1: right?
0: It's your direction in life. And I think you're overcompensating when you're announcing it to the world's
1: Yeah. Well, and so for me, like that's kind of what I was saying was it was easy for me to come up with values that I want to embody in my business because that's part of this whole business plan.
2: Yeah. But
1: prior to that, I was not exposed to the fact that someone as an individual would create and write down values for themselves, just kind of like a personal reminder. Yeah. And that was a conversation actually recently. So it's just funny that we're talking about this. Say you fly off the handle one day with like discipline or something, you're yelling. Well, you know, if you glance at your board and one of the things up there is like calm support or something, You know, maybe you should. Yeah, it's like
0: an accountability checklist, right?
1: Yeah. So that's what we had been talking about for our family. And I think that will help both of the kids actually when something happens and they're like, oh, what did I say?
0: Yeah, I made a mistake. It's something that happened, but it doesn't define who you are.
1: Right. Like I'm a person that has made mistakes or I'm a person that messes up everything. Or, you know, just like you can flip it. And I think having some values will help
0: everyone. It's a huge difference. Thinking you're somebody that does bad things Mm -hmm. or just you made a mistake in the moment. I've done it before. Like I've gotten angry and I'm kind of beat myself up over it. Like, I wish I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. But again, it's the quicker you can kind of forgive yourself and move on by the better off.
1: Or have that reminder on the board or on your journal or whatever that, to just realign yourself quickly versus dwelling on that you messed up or that you are a bad person now.
0: Yeah. And we also talked about, which we have to bring up, mm-hmm. that even if you adhere to all of these values, it's a moving target. It's you're yes. going to veer off the path. So act as acceptance, commitment, therapy. I've mentioned this before on the podcast the biggest thing I got out of that whole entire weekend where I just sat there with therapists and they were teaching this act process. And it was the guy that invented act. is name named Stephen Hayes. One of his instructors, there was like two or three instructors. The one they were touting the most got up on stage and she was amazing, like amazing speaker, super articulate, but like you really understood exactly what she meant by everything. She was making very complex subject matter, very mm-hmm accessible to a dummy like me. And so, and I'm realizing as I'm watching her, she's really overweight.
2: Hmm.
0: Like she's got to be a hundred pounds overweight. Hmm. And she's saying all of these things that we're talking about. Like you have to follow your values. You have to diffuse from strong emotions rather than fuse with them. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, she's not even putting these same things into practice. Why am I listening to this lady? She doesn't have it all together. Look at her. She's out of shape. If she knew how to do all this, and if all this stuff really worked, then she'd actually be in shape. Mm-hmm. And I just went down that stupid spiral of judgment. And, and the next thing I know, I catch myself. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I remember I brought it back to my therapist, Matt, who told me to go to this conference. Right. And I'm like, I really liked this lady that was speaking. She was amazing, but I couldn't get it out of my head that she was really overweight. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel like everything that she was teaching doesn't work. Right. And then that's when he kind of brought it back. Like, wait a second, you're thinking about this the wrong way.
2: Mm -hmm. Everybody
0: doesn't have it all together. That doesn't mean just because you're heavy, maybe you're not good with money. Maybe you're not confident. There's a million things. Right. Who has everything? Nobody has everything. Mm -mm. Right. You're the great best parent. You make the most money. You're in the best shape. You're the most attractive, most charismatic, <laughs> you have the best social network, you have all kinds of friends and they're all perfectly in harmony. No, life's a little more of like a roller coaster where you're just sort of yes. The values are just setting the direction but life is taking you off of that path.
1: Right. And then we had talked about how there are so many focus points in life that Maybe she really believes in this and is using it in other areas of her life and it works and she's seeing progress. Or maybe she is using it with her health and maybe she's already lost a bunch of weight and this is...
0: When you said that... It's
1: like in progress, you know?
0: Didn't even think of that, right? Like, what is she She might've been 500 pounds and now she's 350. Yeah. She lost 150 pounds, so she's using it in practice, but I'm just seeing how much she has to... Yeah, it's... It's more about me that had nothing to do with her. It was all my judgment. I was like, that's what people do. They throw their judgment on.
1: Yeah, project it. Yeah. Well, and I had brought up to you that health is a very strong value for you. So when something's so important to you, it's really, really hard not to pass judgment or reflect that upon someone else who, maybe that's not her focus Right. right now. Like maybe... Yeah, her focus could be any other 10 or 20 different subjects that go on in life. Right. And maybe she's working down the list, right? And maybe health just isn't up there on right. the
0: list. True. <laughs>
1: and that's okay because maybe she's getting a bunch of other stuff in order. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's impossible for us to focus on everything all at once.
0: It's just spinning too many plates. I mean, how many plates can you possibly spin? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about somebody that has a family, a career. Now they're concerned about their health, right. finances, their social networks with friends, what well, the spiritual side. I mean, you can't... So much. There's going to be more effort put into a couple of these things and less into... Yes. And hopefully you just don't lose one and one just gets so far out of whack that it destroys everything else.
1: Yeah. An analogy that's often talked about lately for moms is that you know, you're juggling a bunch of balls, right? You got yeah. all these balls in the air. Well, it's up to you to identify which ones are glass and which ones are rubber. Mm. So you can sometimes let the rubber ones bounce while you're really, you have to keep those glass ones in the air because they will burst, make a huge mess and you have a lot of shit to deal with.
0: I like that one. Yeah. You can,
1: you know, just keep the glass balls up in the air, let the rubber ones bounce. Sometimes you could throw it back up when you're ready, but it's a rebalancing active focus that i really like that analogy it really makes me put a few things into perspective and let a few things bounce sometimes
0: yeah life's chaotic i mean the older you get the more you realize that it's just it's like the ocean there's just big waves there's storms there's calm periods it's funny, mm-hmm. Jim Gaffigan has. I probably said this. I hope I, I feel like a, an old person <laughs> that just repeats themselves, but he has this comedy skit that he does where he talks about how he has four kids. Okay. And he's like, let me tell you what it's like to have four kids. Just imagine you're drowning and then somebody <laughs> hands you a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Which
1: is why we don't have four kids, but yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. So psychological flexibility, the judgment part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not a panacea. It's not this end-all, be-all of everything. I, I think it's just, a again, it's a guideline. It's it's kind of like a planning kind of map that you're doing where you sort of have all these different things that you can think about. Right. You can't ever feel like you're 100% on all of them because, again, it's moving.
1: Right. And that's what I was sharing with you before the call was this new planner that I have. It's got different categories so you're evaluating how you feel on your clarity how you feel on your energy how you feel about your family or your health and i mean it lists off like 10 or 12 different areas that you're identifying and thinking about and rating week after week in your life Mm -hmm. and so maybe some weeks i'm able to rate a few things out of five but never and i don't think it's a decent expectation, even for myself to be able to rate everything a five zero to five right. would be I'm awesome at everything. That's not going to happen. Yeah, if I rate a couple things at a five, right. I am doing fantastic. And you know what? Everything else might be yes. twos and threes, and maybe something's a one. The next week, I can pick up that one and focus a little more on that. But it's this constant rebalancing and Maybe if I'm able to see a trend in in my ratings of my personal, like how I feel about how I'm doing, maybe my clarity is just like always at a five. Okay, cool. I'm good in that area. Maybe I need to focus less on that. Maybe I need to focus more on health or, you know, the family piece or something. So just having these different categories and consciously sitting down and reading them and thinking about, did I address this at all this week? Maybe not. Or yes, maybe I did every day. Yeah. I think that helps me approach each week with a little more, I don't know, like like a more well-rounded perspective than let me just get this checklist done for work. It's very different. So I've really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could relate it to... So we said physical exercise. You could relate it to the things I always kind of mentioned, like musical instrument, like Mm -hmm. learning how to play something. Mm -hmm. The best musicians find the weakest link in their armor. If they can't do something, they'll focus on that. Right. They're not just going to continue to practice the things that they're good at. Right. You don't get any better doing that, right? So yeah, like you said, if you're a five and one, you're not just going to keep pounding in that area. Again, if you're a multimillionaire... And all you keep doing is focusing on your finances and your career. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen with your family and with your health and with your... other? Yeah,
1: you have other things in life you need to focus on. There was a
0: season of your life to do something and now maybe that season changes. I think it's very difficult for people to realize the changing of the seasons and adapt. Again, psychological flexibility. Right. Realizing where you're at, being in that current moment... Mm-hmm. And then just following, again, values. I mean, I never even thought of that word as something real. Like I never value, like right. it just seemed kind of foo-foo, like, I don't know, like spiritual. What's, what are my values? Yeah. Like, no, I don't know. Right. I just want to have a good life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. That's that's what I was sharing. Is like I, I had never been exposed to that until recently. Now I'm looking at it going, yeah, I mean, it would be really useful if even just Individually, everyone said, What do I want to live for? What do I believe in? What do I want to yeah. what kind of person do I want to be? What do I want
0: to act like? Yeah. What do you want said about you at your funeral? Exactly. Right. Like if you're living your life backwards, try to flip the script and just say, you're 90 years old and you look back. Mm-hmm. Do you wish mm-hmm. you worked more? Do you wish you sat more at a desk? You wish you were on social media more? And like all the things that you probably do a lot, or at least I know I do a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to have any kind of, I don't see any value in them. I don't see any value in spending endless hours on social media. There's no value in being sedentary and eating crap and neglecting your kids and not being good with money. So then I'm like, oh, all right. So if Mm -hmm. those are the things that I don't want.
1: Yeah. So what do you want? Right. It's
0: almost like a process of elimination kind of thing.
1: Well, and if you want someone to be able to be like, oh yeah, so-and-so is such a generous person. Oh my gosh, they're always there for me when I need them. I want to be more like that. Yeah, so then what have you done in the past month that is generous? And if you haven't, then maybe you might want to look for an opportunity to be generous. And so it just helps you realign your actions with what you think you want to be remembered for.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, the direction you want to go in. I want to... I think about this a lot. Like what's the perfect day? Not that this is any perfect day, but if you were to relive a day over and over again, what would you do in that
1: day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that day look like? What would you eat? Where would you be? Who would you be with? Yeah. All those good. Yeah. Yes. Very good questions. For whatever
0: reason, mine always goes to, and I don't ever do this. So <laughs> I don't know why. There's a lot of effort. It seems Maybe like.
2: Maybe
0: you and, should. Yeah. I want to do like wake up, go for a walk, meditate, do a little yoga have food with the family, get out in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. None of it revolves around work. Yeah, <laughs> It always revolves around just leisure activities, but health and outdoors yeah. and family. Yeah. So I always think of those. That's kind of more of my perfect day of like...
1: Well, I think you just planned your next Saturday.
0: <laughs> I think I kind of do this on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, good.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think we're led to believe that your values need to be money-oriented or they need to be finance-oriented. Or they need to be career-oriented. Mm. And we put so much focus on that one area. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend that we've have, had a conversation of back and forth a few times because I'm always kind of bent against the idea of stop focusing on your career so much. There's other important things in your life. And he's like, well, I enjoy my career and I love my career and... Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, fair enough. You're one of the few probably that really, really wants to spend Mm -hmm. 40 or 50 hours a week doing one thing.
1: Right.
0: Doing one job. I'm definitely not that type of person. And I tried to jab back at him a little bit too and say, don't you think maybe there's a little bit of a lack of imagination on your ends? Mm -hmm. Because I I believe you're the type of person that if you were shoveling cow shits, you'd be happy. (laughs) Like you're just going to make yourself happy. Regardless of what you're doing, you're that type of person,
1: right? Kind of good.
0: You know what I mean? It's a very good quality, right? That's a great quality. I mean, just put somebody in any environment; they're gonna they're gonna make themselves happy.
1: Yeah, if they can create that happiness out of, like you said, like shoveling shit. like <laughs> I mean, wow! Like I need to examine this person's brain. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's a spectrum of that too right there's some people that they won't be happy doing anything right and then there's the other side of the spectrum that somebody will be happy doing anything
1: right so my question is to this friend do you love your career because of the actions that you do in your career or do you love your career because it's been able to facilitate all the other things that you want in life
0: I think he loves his career. Well, he's a music teacher. So, I mean, that one thing.
2: Oh, Yeah. So, he loves music, he loves
0: kids, and he loves doing that kind of thing. But again, I always jab and I'm like, yeah, but do you want to do that in the confines of a public school that's telling you the curriculum and telling you... I mean, you still have to be in somebody else's world. Mm -hmm. And just saying, like, if you wanted to do it in another context... It wasn't really an argument. It was sort of just this back and forth of... Yeah. Because he was trying to say that I'm always touting like focus on everything else besides your career. He's like, I love my career. Why would I do that? Mm. Okay. Good point.
1: All right. <laughs> I like how you have these friends that basically argue with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> they don't really argue. I think they're just making their own points.
1: Yeah. but It's like a healthy intense argument like discussion
0: it's a little banter yeah yeah i
1: appreciate that because then it's not yeah just you throwing your weight around and it's not just them throwing their weight around it's like this back and forth and you're both able to kind of jab at the other and joke about it maybe but then hey you probably both walk away with a fresh perspective and
0: definitely he definitely changed my perspective because i just assumed that more than 99.9% of people, just if they had the choice, yeah, they wouldn't do a 40, 50-hour-a-week job. Right. And he's not one of those people.
1: Because I struggle with the same idea, like this week.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to
1: work Monday and Tuesday. I worked a little bit Sunday. That's fine, because I want to be off on Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's Wednesday and yeah. <laughs> I've been working all day and, but I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not upset. I do plan to take the afternoon off and I'll go hang out with the kids and do family stuff. But I didn't like succeed in being off all day. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what does an off day look like for me? Like if I have the day off, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Right? I don't know. So then you
0: start thinking the responsibility is giving you value, right?
1: I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could read a book, I can go for a walk. Sure. I can come up with things. Yeah. But I feel more satisfied getting some work done. I like, just I can't help it. Mm-hmm. I know that time off is important, and I know that time with family is important and fun. And I really enjoy those times. But for me to have an entire day just literally off in the middle of the week. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'll probably drive myself crazy because I'll be like trying to not let myself work. Yeah. And all I want to do is come back here and like fix a website or something.
0: Yeah. But you're right. It's like when, once you remove work or responsibilities, it's always the grass is greener (laughs) kind of thing. Like while you're working, if you have to do a lot of things and for a long extended period, your mind's going to, I wish I didn't have to do all these things. And I wish I didn't have to be here. Mm-hmm. And then, but remove that work for an extended period of time. Right. You're like, I got nothing to do. i right. have done. I can't just do leisure all the time. So I think it's always, again, that yeah. moving target of there's your value. Right. You want to work, work as much as you want. Yes. But there's also going to be points where it's too much that you have to pull back and then it's ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Well, I wanted to read a little something that you had sent me a sentence in this research that you did, it says the best way to respond to distress is whichever way best facilitates the pursuit of meaningful life aims. Wow. And that was according to the rich theory of act.
0: Yeah. I didn't write that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but
1: it's, it's like perfect. I love that phrase because, you know, any level of distress, whether we're talking Literal distress, like you've lost your job, you know, maybe somebody in your family got COVID, something big, identifying what those values are and then redirecting the pursuit of meaningful life aims. So you're redirecting your actions back toward those values. Yeah. I was stuck on that sentence, just staring at it. And I was like, man
0: going through a painful experience Mm -hmm. and how you could use some of that. You could use the energy to be depressed. You could use the energy to be productive in some form. Mm
2: -hmm. It's in
0: a book from Leo Tolstoy. I'd never read the book. It's a quote that I heard from Wayne Dyer. And he's talking about this guy that his son just passed away. Mm -hmm. And the night of the son passing away, Mm -hmm. he's found at some little music hall and he's dancing and he's celebrating. And people start coming up to him and they're saying, what, what the hell are you doing? Your son just passed away. Hmm. How can you be celebrating at a time like this? And he tells the yeah. people that I had a choice. I could either let this experience completely devastate me or I can move on. And he's like, I just chose to move on. Right. And when you hear something like that, you automatically think, well, that's ridiculous. Like everybody has to grieve and everybody has to suffer in a certain way. And I don't think that's true. I think that's something we were taught to believe.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm not saying that you shouldn't suffer. I'm not saying that most people wouldn't be suffering.
1: Well, and it's not that you don't miss that person, but I think you're funneling your energy into an area that Mm. maybe you believe that person would have wanted you to. It's kind of like a lot of people will say, like, you know, I don't want like a crying sad, black, dark funeral. I want you guys to throw a party and like have fun and drink and like do
0: celebrate my life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I think it's that perspective of say you lost that person. What would they have wanted you to do? Yeah. What would they want to see you succeed at or embody or Believe in now that they're gone.
0: Yeah, and everybody gets to make their own choice in that matter. But I think we're led to believe that there's a certain amount of time that you need to grieve and there's a certain amount of time you need to do this. And if you don't do it that way, then it's not acceptable because you're cold and you're heartless. And you're so when I was reading that quote of that story by Tolstoy, mm-hmm. it just made me realize that you can do it in the moments, right? Somebody dies in that moment, you could make amends, move on with your life.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then some people, they'll grieve for two years and they won't have any. Right. And not one way is right, not one way is wrong. Mm-mm. But I guess for w- whatever reason, we have this idea in our head that there's a certain amount of time that you need to deal with stuff. And, and now everybody's got their own timeline. Right, And whether it's a minute or two years or whatever, anywhere in the middle... That's just what they do. And right. there's so much judgment on the outside of that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think even with, you know, that that's a pretty deep subject when you're talking about like losing someone, but even something simple. And I kind of go back to like a soccer game. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you messed up. The other team scored. It was your fault. You were right there. You didn't save the ball. <laughs> How quick are you going to snap back into it, get back into position, and be ready for the next play? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to like lose it and cry and end up being taken off the field because you just cannot deal in that moment?
0: That is amazing that you said that because I I was a big fan of watching tennis growing up. Oh. And you would see that right in front of you during professional tennis. You just see somebody's confidence crumble, like a great tennis player, Mm -hmm. like he lost a couple of points. But this happens in all sports, right? Yes. So, momentum kind of changes. So, even if one player is a dominant player, Mm -hmm. psychologically, I just missed that shot. Am I going to miss another shot? Am I now going to overthink my shots? I'm not letting things fly. I'm concerned. Right. Same thing happens in music. If somebody's nervous, you start tensing up because you want to get it right and it just makes everything sound terrible.
1: One mistake, and then you let that get to you, and then you start making a bunch of mistakes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like the idea of just being loose and in that flow state. Right. But like you said, how do you react to that first one? How do you react to... Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, that's a mark of the greatest athletes, greatest players, greatest musicians is that they can be in that kind of peak performance state. Mm -hmm. Because they're dealing with it too. They're making mistakes. They know they're making mistakes. Mm -hmm. They're not oblivious to this. Oh,
1: you know you made a mistake, but...
0: How do you recover?
1: So do you think that those type of people are whether they're conscious of it or not, but they are more psychologically flexible.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to, yeah, that's a good other direction for that. I know I went right to like the dark people dying. <laughs> <you> go,
1: yeah. <laughs> it can be applied in any area of life. It could be your health. It could be your soccer game. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you react in that moment? Does it align with your values? Are you embodying that act as you? Like I am this type of person or are you like, man, that sucked. I made a mistake. Right. And handle that well. Okay, let me get my head back in the game.
0: I like what you just said. How fast do you recover from those emotional reactions?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean- I think that takes practice. I think it does too. I don't think you just are some super soccer star. I don't know. Like whoever your favorite tennis player is that can recover quickly- I don't think you just become that. I yeah. think it takes years and years.
0: Those iron minds. I mean, but I think for the everyday person outside of the professional athlete, yeah, the people that seem most resilient are the ones that just they don't seem to get phased. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm perceiving.
1: Right, that's what I was gonna say. I think they are phased, but I think they recover. They are
0: phased, but they still move forward. They recover. Yeah, and I th- but I think it's the time frame of the recovery. Right. Yes because you can get angry and then you could beat yourself up over being angry for hours or days or whatever mm-hmm. or you could be angry and then just move on and get on with your life mm-hmm.
1: or like in the business world think like you lost a client
0: oh, man <sighs> yes
1: are you going to like cry for days and be like pissed and eat a whole box of oreos or are you going to like oh
0: sales is a whole other play. i mean that's like putting that <laughs> on display when you're in the sales world. It's, it's
1: like an open wound. Because you're constantly
0: doing calculations in your minds of commissions that you may get. Yes. And then if one of them falls through, you're like, ah, oh, you're crushed on that one. And then on your next call, you lost all your confidence. Yes. And Oh, it's such a mindfuck. It's such <laughs> a scramble. <laughs> and it happens so quickly. Yes. And so it seems like the most flexible, the most resilient are the people that can sort of, mm-hmm. mm, again, I think recovery is the best word for that. You're recovering from it. Because something's happening, some emotional upheaval, like you lost the sale, you let yeah. the goal in, you got angry, yelled at your mm-hmm. kid. You can recover within a very short amount of time.
1: Right. So those are examples of like a moment of distress, that high emotional upheaval of reaction. Part of what you'd sent me also is like distress itself does not impair functioning or well-being. It's the unhealthy attempt to escape distress. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was...
0: Unhealthy attempt to escape distress. Right.
1: So what is that? Like binge eating or...
0: Social media. Uh, yes. Uh, right. Just drowning your sorrows or whatever. Right. So I have one that I got to pat myself on the back for. Ooh, do it. Okay. As a parent. So this happened a bunch of years ago. My daughter Mia is like sitting at the table. She's eating breakfast. And she's messing around on her chair. She's always been kind of fidgety on her chair and kind of going on the edge of it. And she's eating like half standing up and she's got cereal and the chair's kind of half falling over. I'm not paying much attention. (laughs) And this is in the kitchen. For whatever reason, I have a scale in my kitchen at the top. I'm I'm a (laughs) weird dude. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, next to the garbage, there's a scale. I didn't wave myself every any morning. And it's a glass scale. Okay. So those glass ones, you've seen those?
1: Yes. Oh my God, I know where this is going.
0: So I turned my head, I'm washing dishes and kabam, the chair drops. I don't even see it happen, but it sounds like a bomb going off. Mm. It hit the scale so perfectly in the middle mm. that millions of pieces of glass shattered and just went all over the kitchen. Oh my God. And I turned around, my heart stopped. I turned around, she's on the floor and she's looking up at me, terrified. I think she's like seven or eight at the time.
1: I was going to say, this sounds like something that I would experience like today. Yeah, like seven or because eight. This exactly. this is my kids right now.
0: Yeah. And my first reaction, I was like, what the hell? Like, what the hell just happened? She's just about to yeah. be in tears. And I,
1: Yes, she's got those big eyes. Like, they're yeah. swelling up in tears. Like, no, holy I, crap, exactly, I just Exactly, which this. she had no intention yes.
0: of doing. She's just messing around. Uh-huh. And I caught myself immediately. And I was like, I was like, I just took a deep breath. I'm like, you know what? It's just a scale, Mia. Mm-hmm. Because I think at that point, she was crying. Like, Mia, it's really, Mm -hmm. honestly, not that big of a deal. You scared me, but it's a scale. We'll get another one. Yes. And to this day, she mentions that. And actually, her mom mentions that. We're divorced. So her mom actually told me. She's like, you know, Mia mentions that, (gasps) you know, that time she broke that scale. And you were just like, oh, don't worry, Mia. We'll just get another one. Right. That was a big deal that stuck with her. Like, no big deal. We'll just get another one.
1: Wow. No, but
0: in that moment, I was... Oh, I, I was infuriated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scared. You know, it sounded like a gunshot. Yes. Shot. Anyway, so. I'm-
1: yeah, that's perfect. Because I think those incidences happen often as a parent. You know, your kid, like, you, maybe you tell them, take your plate to the sink. And they're walking to the <laughs> sink. And they somehow <laughs> drop the plate. You're like, how How do you just drop a plate? You're just walking. Like, come on. <laughs> Pay attention. What, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> But it's like, step back, whew, reel it in. Yeah, The Plate's broken. It's fine. Are you injured? No. Okay. All
0: right. Moving Reset. on. Right. Exactly. Let's get out. Let's not let it ruin the night, right?
1: Yeah. It's so hard to do though. It's, it is. Or like Christmas ornaments. We're trying to put up stuff right now. Mm. There have been some ornaments dropped. Oh boy. So what I told them was, you know what? It's okay. I know you're going to make me a new ornament this year. And so you just made space for the new one. It's all right.
0: What a cool like, lesson for the kid. Like, because they're going to take that uh, with them when their kid or, or their friend <laughs> or the, somebody breaks something of theirs, they're not lose their shit. I hope so. I think so. It's all learning by example.
1: Yeah. Now let's just all try to be a little more psychologically flexible.
0: That's right. Hopefully we've given some antidotes and some personal examples that yeah. spark uh, some sort of...
1: Yeah. Just some sort of like fresh perspective on... When something's going on and you want to react in a certain way and that's like your instinct is to freak out. Step
0: back, take a deep breath. Step back, evaluate. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Unlearning Projects.
1: Check out unlearningproject.org. Find us on Instagram at unlearning underscore project. And then the Facebook page is now converted over, of course, to Unlearning Project. And you should see our new cover art and new everything
0: Fantastic All right well thanks Virginia Yeah
1: thank you Al I had a good time
0: That was fun